Welcome to Transformed, the podcast where we explore how God is continuing to transform us each and every day. We believe transformation to be a dynamic and ever-present work that is offered to all of us. In his letter to the Roman church, Paul tells them, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So would we today open our minds to the possibilities that God envisions for us, our communities, and our world. Welcome to Transformed. Hello again. Welcome. He's sitting here with my good friend Stu in our Skyview recording studio, right? That's right, yeah. We've got some really nice digs here. I like the polka dot, polka dot wall in particular. We'll call it the multi-purpose room. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, good to be with you again uh, this week. Those of you that either joined us last week or joining us for the first time, we're doing these kind of midweek reflections during the season of Lent. As we think about what these 40 days mean to us, not just as individuals, but corporately as, as a Skyview Church. So as you think about your own fasting journey, perhaps you've made some space this season by giving up some practices, or maybe you're trying to introduce some new things, or maybe a little bit of both. We hope that this can be a part of that rhythm for you. So, Yeah, well, it's been, uh, it's been a week into it yeah. for all of us, and we're just all kind of starting in on the journey, and we kind of started heavy. Yeah. You know, we started with the taboo subject of sin, mm. um, but... We started at a point, I think, of honesty so that we can recognize the grace that is there for each one of us, right? Yeah. And, and so uh, I trust as we continue to have these conversations, as we journey together as a church, that we would find ourselves leaning honestly into the hope that is our salvation in Christ. Mm. So, yeah, that sounded very pastoral. No, it's good. Said, well, you've yeah, been a pastor yeah. for a few years. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Why do you think it matters so much that we're honest with ourselves? I don't think, uh, to quote uh, 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 another theologian, we, we don't grow without confession. Hmm. Um, you know, any, any journey of faith with God in which we become more and more the people he's inviting us to become cannot begin from a place of inauthenticity. Uh, when we lie to ourselves or we lie to others, I think it just keeps us from the kind of honesty that opens us up to uh, the grace of God to help us not only acknowledge our sin, but to grow in ways that um, is overcoming, mm. you know. And, and I'm not saying we're flawless or sinless. Uh, I am saying, however, that sin doesn't have to be a part of our lives in a controlling way. Yeah. Um, and so I think, yeah, confession beginning with honesty is, is the starting point to a life of faith and growth. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and, and we've talked about this a number of times, but perhaps something that's maybe lost in some of our Protestant traditions. We don't think about confession a lot because we affirm probably more so the work that God does in our lives mm -hmm. and then maybe aren't as comfortable thinking about the response that we're invited to. That's right. That's right. And I think that's the tension we find in our, even our text today, mm -hmm. you know, is that it's easy to lean into one or the other in a way that is not what the Bible really is trying to teach us. Yeah. And so what does it mean to have a faith that is not driven by our legalism and our doing on the one hand, and a faith that is also completely uh, one that's rooted in the gratitude for what God has made possible through Christ and mm -hmm. 
And I, yeah, I think that's the tension we have to live in well. Yeah. 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 We're good uh, consumers. Yeah. Right? And that we, and this is probably some of the challenge that's brought to the text today. We were sitting in our staff meeting reflecting on this text, thinking about the expectation that a lot of us bring to most areas of our lives is that we do an amount of things and then we get a return. Exactly. And we, my family, they're all economists. So like growing up, it was like <laughs> dinner table conversation as I learned the term ROI from a very young age. Oh, wow. And wow. like rolled my eyes every time it would come up, you know, right. we'd talk about the economy. But we're prone to um, do kind of a risk assessment anytime we engage in an activity because ultimately we don't want to put in more work than we get back. Mm -hmm. Every time I go to the bank, I feel like I'm behind. I talk right. to these investment bankers and they're like, well, you should have started 10 years right. ago. Right. And yeah. I'm made to feel like I have to be as proactive as I can be. And if I'm more proactive, then I'll get more back. Yeah. And so for all of us then, it's probably more so in the modern age, it's hard for us when we come into worship spaces to not yeah. carry that expectation. Absolutely. I, I think about, you know, <laughs> the way we talk about Santa Claus with kids, you know, yeah. he's going to reward the good kids and he's going to punish the bad kids. Mm -hmm. And if you're naughty or nice, you're going to get a gift. Mm. And, you know, the way in which we do much of life as kind of checks and balances reward for what we have done and not done um, often impedes the way we understand what it means to be Christian mm -hmm. in a bad way, in a way in which we feel that we're constantly working towards earning God's love as opposed to living out of the grace that has yeah. already been given us. But maybe maybe I should read the text. Yeah, I think it's gonna it's gonna introduce. There's a guy that's introduced yeah. to us, game Abraham. That's probably gonna help us answer. Yeah, some of these absolutely, questions. absolutely. Would you read our text for us today, Stu? Would love to. Romans chapter four. We're reading from verse one through five, and then we're gonna jump ahead to verses thirteen through seventeen. What then are we to say was gained by Abraham, our ancestor according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now to one who works, wages are not reckoned as a gift, but as something due. But to one who does not work, but trust him who justifies the ungodly, such faith is reckoned as righteousness. For the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there transgression. For this reason, the promise depends on faith, in order that it may rest on grace, so that it may be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham who is the father of all of us, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations, in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yeah, so I think if, you, you know, if you're new to us and maybe joining us for the first time, we're reading the Sunday texts um, that we'll be preaching on in the coming week, and We'll attach kind of the guide in the show notes of how you can access those texts if you're curious. But we at Skyview, we follow this thing called the Revised Common Lectionary. It kind of mm -hmm. walks us through what we call seasons of the church year. And so we're in the season of Lent. 
And so these texts all in different parts of scripture all kind of point to this common theme of preparation. Right. Preparing us for this moment of Christ on the cross, that we mm-hmm. would receive well that which is being offered. And so mm-hmm. in this season, you know, we talk a lot about um, honesty we were talking about earlier, but even our own, um, our own confession of the things that get in between us and our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So thinking about this text, I know you haven't written your sermon yet. That's okay. I, I know, well, at least most weeks you get it done, right? Like Sunday afternoon after Sunday. But. Just to clear up for those listening, for the two people who's listening to this podcast, it's Tuesday afternoon, so yeah. I still have some time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you got a few days still. But as you're thinking about this text, uh, what, what themes, ideas are being revealed to you? Yeah, I think, I think the text, in a, in a simple way, just kind of wants us to answer the question, what is true faith? Hmm. And, you know, it's, it's in some ways a simple answer, in other ways it's a complex answer. I think, I think the text tells us what faith is not. And it draws upon, you know, Abraham considered to be the father of Israel's hmm. faith in many ways. Um, showing us that perhaps the way in which the people thought of him and how he was justified before God mm-hmm. was based upon his own doing, as opposed to recognizing that even Abraham himself wasn't justified by his works or his, you know, his own effort, but by faith in the God who actually chooses him. Mm-hmm. And so I think our text is relevant to the question of what faith looks like on a journey of Lent that is sincere and honest, um, but also demanding. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's easy to confuse um, anytime we engage in our faith in a sort of practice. It's easy to confuse that as the thing that ultimately saves us. Going back to this conversation about return on investment, you know, I fast every year during the season of Lent. Right. This year I'm fasting from coffee. It's been particularly challenging. <laughs> so, like, I went through the whole yeah. withdrawal headaches, and now I'm like coming on the other side a little bit. But It's easy for me to, in those moments, think, well, like I'm doing this so that I can prove something to God. Exactly. And it doesn't matter how many years I've followed Jesus, like fasting. And and so there's an element at which I could say like, well, like we shouldn't do any of this then because I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to buy my salvation. Yeah. But I think there's an important place that disciplines play in our faith. Absolutely. We can't throw those out and say, well, we're not, you know, we're, we're not a works-based kind of people. And that's true. Absolutely. But we're also not a workless kind of people. Like we we have a faith that is active. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love what you just said about, you know, like the, the practices of fasting and prayer in this season, right? Like I, I think that it's easy for us to make that a means of like, you know, getting God's approval. Mm-hmm. You know, more we do it, <laughs> oh, God's gonna be happy with us. Yeah. To be honest with you, fasting makes life harder for me. <laughs> I don't know about you, it feels harder in some ways. And so even, you know, understanding that the good things that we may pursue in pursuit of God and His way for our life can't be rooted in less than this understanding that we've been justified because of Jesus. Mm-hmm. We're not justified because we fast and pray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and so there's this, I don't think it's a semantic problem, a semantic issue, because some people really struggle with that. Mm-hmm. Most of their life, they live as if God is displeased at wanting them to prove themselves. Yeah. And it's a very different way of approaching our life when we start from a position of grace has already 
been given to us. Yeah. 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 I mean, I remember as a kid, I went down to the altar every single week at youth group because I felt like maybe this time it'll stick. Like I have to be here to prove something. Right. Because I would go into my week and feel like somehow if I made a wrong decision, I was, I was failing God. Right. And, and so it's, yeah, I think there's this interesting tension. I was reading this morning on this text, um, author by the name of Scott McKnight talks about Abraham's place in this whole text. One of the interesting things is that Abraham's the father of the Jewish world. Right. And Paul's speaking to Jews and Gentiles, trying to bring them together. And so in some ways there is a sort of like grafting in that reminds us that the story that God is telling was never meant to just be a Jewish story, but is a story that invites people like you and I. And, Mm -hmm. and so too, when we think about our own faith, it's a story that's bigger than any one of us. Right. But also talks about the Abrahamic story in that there's these two kind of pivotal moments, Genesis 15 and then Genesis 17, that this famous narrative that we'll be familiar with that, you know, Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. Then Genesis 17 would follow in the circumcision narrative, the one that always a little uncomfortable talking about as a kid. We didn't talk about that too much. But uses the phrase rather than faith and works. He says faith then works, Mm. which I found really helpful when I think about, you know, my own response Mm -hmm. to this, Mm -hmm. this grace that God has given me that constantly reminding myself that when I come into the worship space, I'm only the things that I'm doing is only because of the work that God has Mm -hmm. done. And Mm -hmm. so in that sense, it's, I feel fulfilled in it, in Mm -hmm. my pursuits. It's not about trying to prove something, but there's a, I am so overwhelmed by that, which has been done for me that I can't help. But yeah, you know, when you see those people that like, you can just tell they're having a really good day. There's something like they must've just woken up on the right side of the bed, had a good day. Like, something's going good in their lives and it's impacting everything else in their day. Right. And I wonder even, even in a simplistic way, if our faith could be embodied like that, Mm -hmm. like if we just woke up and had like a really good morning Mm -hmm. and we had this really incredible experience with God that would that not impact the rest of our day? Yeah. Like we would hope so. Yeah, you know what though? As you're speaking, I mean, I get—I I mean, that's so encouraging to me. Maybe you should preach this Sunday. I—I, <laughs> um, I, as you were saying that, I said to myself, "So why is it that, you know?" And this is a question I'm asking you, and maybe those who are listening, why is it that we always tend to revert to the opposite, where we kind of don't feel that joyous? Uh, perhaps joyous mm-hmm. is maybe too too much of a stretch, but we feel that confidence of living out of yeah. this security in God, right? Yeah. Like, wh- why is it that we consistently kind of mm. seem to just forget that? Because it's one thing to know, it's one thing to live with that on a regular basis. Yeah. Uh, and I, and maybe it's a leading question for you, but but does, does spiritual practices help us? Yeah. They can certainly become, you know, a means of us thinking we're winning God's attention or winning His favor, but is there a way in which spiritual practice can put us in a posture to live the way mm. you just described? Yeah, I think, I mean, as you're talking, I think all of us deep down like to be observers of things because Mm -hmm. it's easier. Like, you and I are going to a hockey game tonight. We're going to be observing a few things, probably some good hockey and some bad hockey, but we're going to be observing (laughs) because when, and when you, when you observe, you can critique, right? Right. We can watch and celebrate the good things and then boo the bad things. Right. And, but then like, if any one of those guys called us onto the ice, 
Like, it doesn't matter how bad the flames are this season. They called us on the ice. They could skate circles around us and then some. <laughs> and so we're called, like, up to the platform. We don't, we're terrified. Because wow. all of a sudden, it's not so much that we have to contribute something, but we, we have to, like, prove that we want to be there. Right. That we have a desire to be a part of what's happening. Right. And so I think in, also in some ways, we just, we like to sit back and watch God do what God does. Mm -hmm. We like to cheer God on and say, and then also in probably an unhealthy way, we like to critique when maybe God doesn't respond in right. the way we want to. Right. And, and so in times of grief and loss, oh, it's so easy to say, where's God in all of this? Mm -hmm. Even as we experience like deep moments of pain and loss in our own community, mm -hmm. it's so easy to then as observers to sit back and say, well, God, you should have been there. Mm -hmm. Like you shouldn't have taken that person at this time. You shouldn't have caused this pain in this family. But all of a sudden when we're now participants in what God is doing in the same moments of grief and loss, we then have to say, okay, God, how can I be a part of this? Mm -hmm. Like now all of a sudden I'm obligated mm -hmm. to make that phone call, to go mm -hmm. sit and have coffee with that person who's grieving, mm -hmm. to write a note or a letter to this mm -hmm. person. And, mm -hmm. and that's the hard work of following Jesus. Mm -hmm. But I think ultimately I'd rather sit back and watch. Mm -hmm. And so I can blame it on all sorts of things like, well, I'm saved by faith, not by works. Mm -hmm. But I think deep down it's just a, I don't want to, I don't want to be called to the stage mm -hmm. because then I'm, I'm visible. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and, and maybe I won't do it right either. Yeah, I wonder if perhaps this ties back to some of what I was trying to say last week in the sermon that when God created and gave us this wonderful opportunity mm -hmm. to participate in his creation, mm -hmm. that from the outset, God seems to have a high regard for our participation and it's very dangerous language because somebody can hear this and saying, so we participate in, you know, saving ourselves. <laughs> uh, no, that's not what I'm saying. But I think God shows kind of this divine preference. And I use some, some theological language for human agency. Yeah, yeah. You know, God seems to delight in having his creation. Perhaps we could go as far as to say his pinnacle creation. Yeah. Participate in the ways in which he has designed us you know, mm -hmm. for image bearers. Yeah. And so in some ways, the life of faith is an invitation to not just be um, some observer. You know, I mean, I, I think about Sunday mornings, it's easier to come and be an audience member. Yeah. Right. But what does it mean to actually come into the space together with others to worship God? It means there is a sense in which we stand before him totally aware that we are saved by grace and not by ourselves. Mm -hmm. But our response, our life's response is one of worshiping. And worship is much more than what we do on a Sunday. Yeah. You know, it should be, you know, reflected in so much of what we do day to day. So, mm. yeah. yeah, no, I think that's good. So as we think about, you know, these next six weeks or so mm -hmm. as we approach Easter, uh, what are what are your encouragements to those that perhaps are wanting to engage deeper in this season? Maybe maybe you're trying to fast from something, um, something that's taken residence in your life. Maybe like food, or maybe something like technology or social media, those sorts of things. Um, as they're thinking about that that journey, and inevitably hit the moment of, well, what's the point? Like, why do I do all this? Mm -hmm. What would you say to that person? Well, it's a tough question. Uh, I I think I think my response would be this way. 
there are things that we need to examine the motives behind, you know, in our own walk. And I think Lent gives us an opportunity to be discerning of coming from the right place of grace as opposed to guilt, shame, um, perspectives of God that are inadequate, uh, that is rooted in judgment. And so I would say when you practice anything, be careful that it doesn't become your own means of salvation. Mm. And ask yourself, what do you need to let go of that you think saves you? Mm. And, you know, sometimes that's the good things. Yeah. The things that we think God wants from us that has become in some ways our own idolatrous means of salvation. Mm. And so being, being a responsible Christian, and what I mean by that, responding to the grace of God, responsibility, mm -hmm. if you will, <laughs> actually requires thoughtfulness. Uh, self-examination. Um, I'm going to plug Monday nights. Mm -hmm. The guided prayer times is yeah. just an opportunity to sit still and listen to your heart and mind and your inner thoughts in the presence of others and in the presence of God so that you can kind of discern what's really going on inside. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, to any of you listening at home, um, continue to invite you to be a part of the things that we're trying to do here, um, both our Sunday gatherings, but also our Monday night prayer service. Um, or if you're listening from far away, thank you for joining us and on this uh, Lenten journey. We'll see where it takes us, but grateful to be able to read the scripture together and hear the perspectives of one another. I, I think just with closing, what I'd say is uh, it matters that we not just read scripture together, but learn to read scripture through the voices of others. Uh, so as I'm reading scripture today, I'm thinking about this text through the eyes of friends that I have that I know are experiencing loss. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I think, I think that has shaped me in a way that I didn't know I needed to be shaped. Mm -hmm. And so as you read scripture this week, as you pray this week, um, perhaps you were talking on Saturday with our leadership team. Um, remember that the phrase that Jesus gives to his disciples is our father. Mm -hmm. um, so think about it through the eyes of those you love this week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us.